Hello, listeners. Welcome to our final episode of the Edge of Space series. Throughout the series, we've shared conversations with the leadership team of IBM Space Tech. I am Tony Zhou, a Longitude Fellow at Yale University. And I'm Blake Moya, a Longitude Fellow at the University of Texas at Austin. We hope you've enjoyed this series as much as we have. And in this episode, Tony and I will discuss a few highlights and topics that stood out to us. I had the pleasure of interviewing Naeem Altaf, who is the CTO of IBM Space Tech. In our two-part episode, he talked a lot about what it meant to build a strong foundation in the field of computer science and how you could leverage that skill set to create a lot of impact. In addition, he also talked about mentorship, which is something that I think would provide tremendous value to our listeners. What are your thoughts as someone who is now, you know, in grad school, build that foundation and having that mentorship? Yeah, I think building that foundation in technology, I think is related to something that Minsik told me briefly to say in my interview. I think we closed out with his uh, advice to students and young people to stay on top of trends. And I see a link there too. You want to have a technological foundation for your skills as you develop. You know, in grad school, you come in because you have a specialized skill set right, that you want to advance. You specialize a little bit, and then you're welcomed into this place where you have a bunch of other people who have all been specializing as well. And the goal is to guide and be guided. You're helping other people. You're teaching the other students in your cohort, as well as being guided and instructed by all of the faculty members. And so there's a big community experience of mentorship, where everyone's a mentor and a mentee, that's all developed off of the commonality of, you know, we know a lot about this specific thing and we want to know more. Uh, so I think it's very interesting to see the translation from my experience in grad school to hearing Naeem talk about mentorship in industry, because they really are very different environments. In industry, you might have to, you know, go and, and seek out mentors in a way that in grad school, it's obviously expected to have and be a mentor because. It's a college, you know, that's what it's for. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. There's definitely parallels. Do you feel that now that you're in grad school, you're really digging deep into a specific topic or do you still feel oh, yes. you're learning pretty broadly and then you have options of where you want to dig in deep? I think it's both because at least with my field, I came in to statistics with experience in statistics, but not with like, you know, my previous degree was in neuroscience. So I knew about experimental design and all that stuff, but I had no idea how broad the field really was. So as I'm doing my research and diving deep into the specific aspects of statistics that I find interesting, I've learned so much more about how much other stuff that there is to do in that field. I think that that's another thing with you know, trying to do, this is my first series with longitudes, right? So one thing that I'm learning here while talking to people about space tech is that every field is like that. You think that you know a little bit about something, and then when you get to talk with these people, you find out how much you didn't know that you didn't know, which is something I certainly felt after my conversation with Minsik about edge computing. I thought I, I, thought I knew a little bit. I fancy myself a programmer, but it, it is a very technical field, and... You know, you get the sense that with Min-6 designing of operating systems on this fragile system that's going to be in space, you don't want it to break down. 
you sort of get an understanding of the depth of knowledge that he must have for IBM to trust in, in his expertise to get this thing working. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing Naeem mention when he began collaborating with people from NASA and uh, astrophysicists, he was saying um, the amount of knowledge that they knew, it like blew his mind because, you know, doing all of that stuff was so foreign to him. But he said he knew that with their domain knowledge, they also needed someone who understood, you know, the tech and like the software right. to, to create these products that would advance this whole uh, sort of mission or objective in, in, in space tech. He kind of found that's where he could create value and he's been there ever since. Yeah, I think that collaboration is a huge lesson to learn from a, a lot of the stories from Longitudes and a lot of you know the big ideas uh, that people find interesting are that you have a collaboration of different people with a huge domain of knowledge in a field. And when they cross paths, you get this wonderful intersection of ideas. So space and computer programming, which are obviously intimately connected anyways, but getting to really see computer programming on the level of learning, like not, oh, I'm going to program a rocket that knows where it's going to go, but oh, I'm learning how to program and how to interface and speak with a computer. And simultaneously, I'm learning how to interface and speak with what's above the sky, <laughs> you know, what's over my head. And so I think that those kinds of intersections really brew up some good ideas. It really gets people thinking about things that they wouldn't have thought of before. So I think it's a great source of inspiration and innovation. Yeah, I mean, I think our time is limited, right? So no one has all the time in the world to learn everything. And so that's where... We do need to be able to leverage our skill set and collaborate with others who are experts in, in their respective fields and, you know, try to find a level of synergy that would then allow for, I don't know, some, some of the great innovations in this world. So the next person that we had the privilege of interviewing was Sarah, uh, who is a NASA biologist. Yeah, microbiologist. My interest in, in her interview with Quint was I saw that she spoke about her inspiration when she was young and that she was you know deeply involved in space and had NASA as the goal ever since she went to, uh, I believe it was like a space class uh, at a museum that they had where she lived. And you know, I just find that kind of inspiring young people and seeing that they can have on the trajectory of someone's life. Um, I really do enjoy seeing that. That was good to hear. And obviously she has a very principled drive in her work in space. Very glad for her to have made it, made her dream happen. Yeah, to, to see success stories is always, it's always like a feel-good moment. Mm -hmm. Do you do anything to help you zone in throughout the day? <laughs> my, my method of zoning in is, uh, my inspiration in what I do is I just like making things work. You know, so, so I'm primarily a programmer, so I'll make sure that the idea is really well fleshed out before I really get fired up about it. Because once I see where the breakpoints could be, then it's like, oh, now it's like a, you know, a puzzle. I think my big inspiration is uh, not as grand or not as focused as uh, Sarah's would be. So maybe I need to be looking for one a little harder. I think it depends, right? I think everybody operates differently. Well, before I, I was just going to talk about Naeem's, because uh, I think his is quite grand. But what about you? Me, I think I think I have quite the imagination. 
sometimes. So I, I try to complement that with routine and habits that move me forward mm -hmm. towards wherever my imagination is taking me. And that I think is sort of like big picture envisioning of whatever it, it could be professional life, personal life. Yeah, I think people really downplay the importance of imagination in professional life. Because you sort of think imagination is something that you use, oh, if you're an inventor or a tinkerer or an artist, you know, that's where your imagination really comes into play. But I don't think that's true. I think that everyone benefits from letting their imagination loose and just seeing where it takes them. And to get to Naeem, because I'm just very fond of his motivations, his imagination is one that I think you know, it comes out in the way he talks about things. I think he's very driven towards this humanitarian idea, this humanitarian goal in his work. You know, the motive of the Endurance Project of making things accessible, making space accessible. I think probably his biggest drive, and it was really uh, nice to get to hear that because, you know, it's, it's motivating. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he, he really emphasized having this creator mindset and just always looking for ways to create things. And I think you have to have quite the imagination to, to always, you know, be, be searching for that, right? Yeah, yeah, it takes imagination to see where the path is going. Absolutely. And I think it's in front of you. Yeah, and I, I think you need to, to have a level of creativity or imagination and laced with, like, confidence. Imagine <laughs> where a field could be going right because mm -hmm. if you want to let's say trailblaze in that field or even if you're, you're just looking for ways to to be creative there are a lot of things that are not out right now right so like yeah. you're you have to be able to like look into the past and learn from the steps that have been taken and then try to you know formulate your own understanding of it to to go forward with it yeah, huge innovations in a field don't happen because everything, you know, neatly collided by coincidence. They happen because someone with imagination thought it could happen and tried to make it happen, and it worked. And I think, unless I'm going to mistake this anecdote here, I hope this isn't an urban legend I'm going to share, but uh, isn't it that the invention of the cell phone was inspired by Star Trek because they had small communication devices, and the guy who started assembling this mobile phone had watched Star Trek as a kid. So the imagination of those Star Trek producers to, you know, have these basically walkie talkies get to get to this and who then thinks, Oh, you know, that's cool. I wonder if there's a way to actually make that real. And here's how I'm going to try to make that real. And now it's in everybody's pocket. Yeah. I think I also remember reading that somewhere. So yeah, I don't know if that's going to be one of those silly fun facts, but I believe it. I trust it with my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah where, where are some places where you draw inspiration from because you know for me even though i you know code and stuff i i actually try to draw a lot of inspiration from like the arts or sports you know kind of figures that i follow and how and how they view things yeah i i look at art a lot because in statistics graphs have a very central location in the field how do you communicate your data and I take pride in my graphics and the plots that I make. So I definitely try to keep an eye on art and 
see kind of what people are into and looking for now to make sure that they have that sense of style to give them a little pop. Very into the aesthetics with your guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, it, make, it makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, okay, so the final person in our series was your conversation with Minson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had very good talk about technology. Yeah, you know, I mentioned this up top just because I saw a place to bring it in, but I, I do kind of want to focus on it more. Minsik's advice after speaking and, and seeing his expertise come through on edge computing, his advice by the end of it for people listening is to stay on top of the trends and see what's new and what's happening in, you know, whatever tech is relevant to your field. And I think that that's really good advice uh, because I think my efforts to do that in statistics have really helped me a lot. In short, I started learning how to write GPU code to, to parallelize operations. And a lot of people in my statistics department are new to that, right? So now I have this, oh, hey, like I have this domain of knowledge in parallel computing, and you have this domain of knowledge in algorithms that can be parallelized. Let's meet up and see what we can get out there. So when I, when I heard him give that advice, I was like, yeah, that helped me. I think that we should really say that loudly. Whatever yeah. tech is or might be relevant to what you do, know it, because once you have the tool in your hand, you have a much bigger view of what's possible to build with it. For sure. You know, I'll say like, you're doing the right thing. At like I know. <laughs> I was like, well, here's, you know, this guy's where I want to be. And here he is talking in a way similar to how I think maybe, uh, maybe my path will go in a similar direction as his has. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I am connecting the dots the right way. Yeah. Exactly. It was very uplifting. Yeah. That was a very fun conversation. I mean, just when you think of the scale of actually putting something up into space in just the depth of that problem, you know, of trying to maintain that contact keep that communication, keep the device functioning. It's a really good puzzle. Like I said, I'm puzzle motivated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Problem solving. oriented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you yourself, are you super interested in, in the field of space? I am more interested in computers than space itself. I like that intersection of you know, if we go through all this to get a computer system, you know, or a network to work well on Earth, what if we threw one of the components in space? It's just such a huge chain that it's like, well, how do they do that? <laughs> now I have to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you have, uh, what kind of tech do, do you use? And is there any kind of technology or skill that you think has really benefited you that you were lucky to, to have learned when you did? Right now, I think there's so much data out there in medicine and people are trying to figure out ways to analyze that and, and use tools such as machine learning to mm -hmm. interpret it in a meaningful way because I think there's such minor room for error uh, if you're trying to let's say create a new drug or yeah or let's say publish a health outcomes research to to benefit you know patient health that you you really have to to get it right and sometimes it's not even let's say the algorithm sometimes it's it's the data because in in healthcare there's just so many features or you know like variables to mm -hmm. to think very about. high dimensional data yeah and but, a lot of it de-identified in ways that are not 
conducive to summarizing. Yeah. But then there aren't that many samples. And so, you know, in, in, in healthcare research, sometimes you just have like a few hundred samples, or a few hundred. And then a thousand columns. Yeah. A thousand uh, variables. Yeah, especially for like rare diseases. And so I think that's something right now that researchers or even people in industry, academia, both just trying to figure out how we're going to interpret that data because there's mm -hmm. volumes of that out there and we should be able to find some insight towards that. You know, the, the vision is that precision medicine will be at a point where each person can receive that tailored treatment, but it takes quite, quite a bit of work. Yeah, There's a ways to go and you think that machine learning is going to be one of the tools that helps to build that future. Yes. Yes. Uh, but, but I think right now even is to just get everybody to the, same communication level, even of like, what is machine learning, right? And what is mm -hmm. possible? Because, you know, sometimes people who are just hearing the buzzwords of machine yeah. AI are like, oh my God, that means that you could solve anything, right? And it's like, no, yeah. really. Mm -hmm. So it, it's being able to bridge that connection. Because earlier we talked about having expertise in different areas and then kind of like combining that to be able to, to work at this intersection. But I think mm -hmm. when you do combine that, when you collaborate, both people need to be somewhat on the same page because then you're able to discuss ideas and, and have uh, an understanding of problems. Yeah, and I think communication is key, has been my guiding word for a lot. That's why I especially was you know excited to come here and do the Longitudes podcast because I was like, here's the interface that I can get from academia to industry professionals. I wanna wanted to learn what they knew and hear what they had to say, and so it was nice to have this out to be able to do that, build that communication. You know, at the top of the skill set is uh, communication skills. This brings us to the end of our episode in the Edispace series. Tune in next for our series on ocean research. Follow Longitude on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to make sure you don't miss the release of the next Longitude Soundbite series. You can also visit our website, longitude.site, S-I-T-E, for more information and content.